G'day, this is Les Turner from Bloodvein Industries, and this is the Man Cave 4301 podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Man Cave 4301 podcast. I'm your host, Big Kev. I'm sitting here today with Les Turner from Bloodvein Industries slash train driver. Les wants to put his story out there to help others uh, with his journey in his PTSD. Les, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. No problem, mate. Uh, thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, so I've, I've known you for a few months now. And, um, yeah, you reached out and said that you wanted to give us your story. So before we get into your story, we'll just get a bit of background on uh, whereabouts you've come from, what you're sort of doing uh, beforehand, and just, yeah, a little bit of insight into Les Turner. Yeah, right. So uh, at present, born, raised, bred, living in... uh, the Wollongong region of New South Wales, um, 35 years old, married, two kids. Um, for the better part of the last 12 years, been with the railways down here, um, starting off just as a, a station attendant um, and then working my way through the ranks internally to train driver, um, now with... Um, yeah, they're called New South Wales Train Link now. They were City Rail, State Rail. They've had a few morphs and changes with their name, but um, and then yeah, with the uh, the business Blood Vein Industries, um, bit of a labour of love and a passion of mine with the the knives and the outdoor gear, and um, yeah, coming up to uh, coming up to one year in business in that. So that's ex- exciting and. Um, quite a little sort of proud, personal proud moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in the community that we're in with the, with the prepping and whatnot, knives are a big thing for us. <laughs> Everyone loves a good knife. Mate, and, it's uh, funny. I, um, I tell people, a lot of people can be a bit taken aback when you say knives and they go, ooh, ooh, a, a knife, that's, that's dangerous. I said, well, <laughs> you know, if you... If you uh, have yourself a knife in terms of everyday use. You'd be surprised how often it comes in handy. Yeah, definitely. I've got a uh, little Leatherman Micra on my on my keys, and I use it nearly every day. There you go. You know, so just from opening packages to letters to, to whatever the case may be, I mean, it's always good to have a nice, sharp little knife on you. Amen. Yeah, help you out during the day. Amen. Praise. Praise <laughs> yeah. <God. laughs> okay, we're getting a little culty there. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, that's all good. So, um, driving trains, is it like a childhood dream? No. It, <laughs> there was there was never any um, thought of that. The job sort of um, came through out of necessity. I was working in a position um, through a company i'll leave them nameless uh, ended ended on terms not so great um basically said see you later uh we don't uh, we can't afford to have you don't need your redundancy whatever word you want to call it um 
so I was left unemployed for a little while, and it turns out that a neighbour of mine was with the railways. Um, and he said, look, man, just jump on. There's always a job going of, of some description. So um, this was in um, November of 2006. Um, coming into Christmas, it was looking pretty pretty grim, pretty stressful when you're, when you're coming into that time of year unemployed. Um, so I jumped on, and the first thing that came that they were uh, recruiting for was the station staff. So I just um, jumped on that and, and just grabbed it. And since then, yeah, that's, that's, been, uh, that's been the breadwinner. Yeah, nice. Yep. Um, I, I couldn't imagine the, the training that goes involved, apparently, because up here in Queensland, it takes about 12 months to train a driver. Yeah, same same down here. You've got um, uh, their own training facility and on-the-job training, as it were, and you're looking at anywhere from 12 to 14 months, depending on um, how, how things go for you, yeah. Yep. So driving a train, how does it work? Like, do you enjoy the job? Is it boring or...? Oh, look, it's, it's, I, I do enjoy the job. Um and especially with my my run that I do, um, we're coastal. So my Wollongong depot drives um, in the area down here from Wollongong up to Sydney, the commuter trains, the worker trains, taking people up for work. And the route is quite scenic. You've got the coastal cliffs and the ocean and, you know, it's quite nice. Um, to drive the train itself is... is you know, and a lot of people in the job would probably agree, it's not that difficult, the physicality side of it. You've got two levers or one lever sometimes, power and brake. You can't steer it, <laughs> much, to what people, much to what people sometimes ask, how do you steer the train? Um, no, no, it, <laughs> it just goes and stops. Um, but it's more so the, um, it's more what you have to know, the, the ins and outs of the safe working um rules that we've got um you've got basic train management with faults and and failures trying to repair it yourself um there's a whole heap of um um theory side of things like i said it's not so much what we have to do it's just what we have to know and remember and uh, retain so that's right um but yeah it's like any job some days are some days are gleaming diamonds and the other days are just big fat lumps of coal so leading up um to how you developed your ptsd mm. um what what kind of day was it what was there anything different about the day or no and that that's the uh you know that's the normal sort of side of things what how do they start a story it was just like any other day yeah, um, you know it was um, just one of those things, and they and they tell you when you're going through training. Um, you know, it's not something they can prepare you for. They can tell you that it's a chance that there's something might happen in terms of a fatality, in terms of something really bad happening. Um, yeah. But there's it's it's you know they can't train you. They can't say, this is how you're going to feel. This is exactly what's going to happen. This is how you're going to react. This is how you're going to uh, 
this is how you're going to be after it when you're coming back to work. There's there's nothing really. Um, the only sort of assistance and, and help that you get a lot of times is talking to the blokes that have been around on the job for a few years um, who have had experiences with it. Um, you know, depending on the era too. I mean, a lot of the older guys that have been around for 30 years, it, it used to be, you know, the way to deal with it was going home and half a dozen stubbies or half a bottle of, of your choice. I mean, that's that's how you dealt with it and you just pushed it to the back in mind and you kept on moving. Right, um, yeah. These Paul, days it's, it's a lot more uh, involved and a lot more assistance and help. Let's lead into the day mm. and um, can you walk us through... What uh, what the situation was, and um, mm. give us a bit of background on it. Mm. So basically, the the day um, we have jobs that are called standbys. So you're there as an extra crew member. Um, you sign on, and your role is to be there um, in case they need extra crew. So if someone calls in sick at last minute or if someone's running late to work, or if there's a problem with a train and they need to get another one running out of the sheds or something like that, you're the you're there. I think they have something similar with, like, flight crew with aircraft. They call them standby crew. So yep. on, a, on a really good day, there's, there's nothing much happening and you're just sort of there hanging around. But there's other days where, yeah, if there's a couple of last-minute sickies or if there's something happening with a train broken down, then you're, you're running your running your ass off as it were but um on this particular day i was a standby um signing on fairly early in the morning i think it was about three three or four a.m um and what they normally do is they send you to a part of the network where the large maintenance centers are the sheds because that's where the trains are going to be coming out of if they need them so I signed on at my depot, which was Waterfall. And then um, after ringing, ringing the uh, little crew centre, they say, yeah, no worries, just hop on the next train and make your way up to, um, to Mortdale. Sorry, I'm, I'm calling out these suburbs. People might know them who, from New South Wales or Sydney area. That's Some fine. Not. But um, it's just a part of the network that's about, I don't know, from my depot to where I had to go was about a 20-minute, half-hour train ride. So I hop up the front with another driver from your depot, and away we go. Um, it was dark. Like I said, it was about 3 or 4 in the morning. Um, and, yeah, away we went to, for me to, to continue on with me day. So up the front, we didn't get far along the line. It was probably only 10 minutes, and we got a call from the signal box to say that the train that had gone through ahead of us, which was an express, thinks they might have hit something, um, which does happen a lot because the trains only have little white marker lights and, you know, there's a lot of parts of the network where there's National Park and there's stuff like that, so there's really not much light um, in the suburban network. So a lot of times... As, as scary as it sounds, you're travelling blind. You've just got, um, you know, 
train chugging along. Yep. Um, so they, the signal box rang, said that um, <clears throat> said that the train ahead thinks they hit something. Would you guys slow down through the section, turn on all your headlights, ditch lights, which normally you're not allowed to run with because it's in a built-up suburban area because yep. um, they're pretty high-powered and blinding. Yeah. Um, so they said, slow down. They gave us the rough area of where the guy thought he hit something. Um, but being, you know, a lot of the times it could be a, a dog. It could even be a deer. There's a lot of deer that hang around our our area because there's national parks so close and there's a bit of a problem with them in uh, southeast New South Wales at the moment, the Rusa deer. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we just sort of took it as, yep, no worries, we'll, you know, we'll keep eyes open. So we were just chugging along and we'd gone for quite a while and there was nothing. So it was a case of, oh, well, who knows what he hit. Could have even been a, a early morning bird flying into his train or something. Who knows? But um, so anyway, we were coming down a blind blind approach to a bend, um, still with the headlights on, still with the fog light, ditch lights on. So it's, it's lit up pretty well. Um, we were going about 25 k's an hour, um, still going pretty slow just so in case we saw something. And as we came around the bend, I noticed something that was blue, and blue is not a colour that you see on a train track normally. You've got you've got green signals and red signals, and you know blue is not a colour that you see. So um, the driver said, "Yeah, I don't know what that is." So we sort of because it was a blind bend we were going downhill even with the emergency brakes put on we weren't able to stop so we sort of tripped out there's a little trip gear on the train that sets off the emergency brakes um so we train pulled up and we knew pretty much it was a body because it was a blue t-shirt and there was the remains of the body um so the train stopped and, uh, you know, we both looked at each other and we knew, oh, you know, oh, shit, that was, a, that was a body. So after the initial sort of realisation, um, went through all the process of ringing, you know, signal box, uh, ringing all the operations control because it's a, you know, you go to the you go to the very top when you when something like that happens and um so they said to us well can you just confirm so hopping down out of the train i think i don't know it was only three or four steps and there was a severed arm on the uh on the ground so so that's when i uh, quickly about faced and went back to the train cab and um you know, after that, the whole circus turns up, police, ambulance, you know, the the lot. And, uh, it, yeah, identified as a body, the remains. Um, before, we, before we go any further, mate. Yeah. The moment that you realise that it's a, a person, mm. what... what what floods through your, your mind at that stage? How, how do you start to process that? 
to be honest, I don't think I did. Like I'm trying, I'm trying now to 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 remember exactly what was going through. It, it was shock more than anything. I mean, I'd never been exposed to dismembered body parts or you know the um the remains of a body after a after a violent sort of yeah yeah coming. I mean, the, the train train normally going through that section is going about a hundred kilometers an hour. So you can you can imagine the yeah the the aftermath of 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 something like that. So I mean I like I said I'm trying to remember exactly, but I I just can't. It's a bit of a blur. Yeah. But yep. um, yeah, the heart was probably racing. The you know, um, but there was a few things to do. I mean, we had to to evacuate the train there was people on the train so you know that was oh it's a passenger train yeah yeah passenger train um so there was people on the train we we've got an emergency exit to go out the front of the train with a ramp so we had to wait for all the uh like i said the circus to arrive police emergency services etc etc so we get people off the train they walk off to a side of the track where the gate is and there's a bus waiting for them um, but the train crew had to stay until the, um, yeah, until the, the body had been removed, um, before we get relieved by another crew to take the train away. So, um, so after that happened, the, um, the relieving crew came, myself, the other driver, and there's a train guard as well. Um, we hopped in a truck and we got taken back to the to the depot to go home. Um, the the kicker, the whole uh, magnifier and multiplier of this incident was it wasn't until I got home about an hour later I received a call from it was one of the big wigs in the job. It was like the big area manager. And uh, I thought it was a bit strange when he identified himself. I said, oh, okay. I thought to myself, why is he calling me? Normally it would be a sort of immediate shift manager or someone a bit sort of closer to your depot, seeing how you're going. Right. But it, it was the big wig. And I said, oh, you know, he said, I'm sorry to have to tell you that uh, the body has been identified as a young man. His name was Mick Mann, and he was, he was a fellow driver at our depot um a friend work colleague um someone that we'd known for quite some time and that i'd sort of got a little bit closer to recently because my son was about six weeks old when the incident happened um two weeks prior mick came down to have some beers with us for the wet the head and his daughter was due in a few weeks so he's uh at the time of the incident his daughter was probably only about three weeks old and uh we no one saw it coming i mean he was always a you know just one of the boys at work always good for a laugh no one knew the backstory um but yeah that was that 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 hit like a sledgehammer um to this day no one really knows why 
and particularly why he chose the trains, knowing that, you know, that that was a part that took a long time uh, for me to to try and work out, you know, the, the why um, was the big one, yeah. I suppose um, that does raise a lot of questions, doesn't it? Like, you, you know, he's obviously suffering in silence. He comes across as just this average guy that mm. going about his life, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and then he decides to end it. But it do, it does really baffle me why he chose the trains. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Ma- yeah, like to, know. to to put your your workmates in that position, and I mean, mm. pe- people in that situation aren't thinking straight you know and well that's yeah that's the other thing too no he wouldn't have been um i had a brief chat to the sister um his sister at the funeral and the wake um and apparently there were some demons from the past um medications and stuff like that so even even the family weren't really um weren't really sure at the time and and there wasn't really any answers at that that time after but yeah to um to uh to find out who it was um to find to know you know know them personally um and like i said to initially i wasn't going to go to the funeral but i sort of felt it felt i had to um and that was quite hard having my wife and newborn child at home to go to the funeral of someone where walking in to the to the funeral place was the his wife holding their newborn daughter that was pretty oh wow that was pretty um yeah pretty tough and and you know i'm not i'm not um ashamed or scared of saying that i or, you know crying i don't mind crying but that day was just such an emotional day mainly because the the funeral service the the baby was the his daughter was so well behaved and not a peep wow in the in the mother's arms but it wasn't until that the um the pallbearers and were carrying the coffin out of the church the baby started crying and that was just like it oh man there was uh even talking about it now is it's like yeah um, man that's oh even i'm it chokes you for sure and and it was so it was such a hard day because pretty much you had the the entire depot was given um a leave day to attend the funeral um you know, they. It was just a. It was a. It was a large funeral because he. He was a well-known, well-known guy. Had a lot of circles of friends, um, and yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I'd. I'd known him for a little while for my for my railway career. There was people there that had known him a lot longer than me, but there was. Um, yeah, it was a. It was a big day, big day. <sighs> Wow, that's mm. 
hectic, man. Mm, mm. It's, um, going, go, going back to when you get home, mm. having to break that to you, to the missus, like, yeah. I mean, how, how did that affect her? Or, or did you, did you really talk about it much or? Oh yeah. I, uh, Initially, it was difficult. I mean, it was it was something that I couldn't explain. Like, you know. Well, I mean, you're probably in a, still in a state of confusion yourself, like, and still in shock. Very much. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I tried um, to not give her some of the details because, I mean, you know. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was. There was a point where I, after a little while being at home, and when I say a little while, I mean, you know, a few days at home, um, I found it hard to talk to her about it. I was talking more to people from work, yep. workmates and stuff, which was a little bit, yeah, a little bit strange myself, but um, because a lot of people would say, oh, you know, you share everything with your partner and you talk, easy to talk to your partner. And, but at that time, I found I couldn't. Um, do, you, do you find that um, you you sort of hold back from your partner because you don't, you want to protect them or? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was trying to protect her. There was a... There was definitely a feeling of um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we, we we could we can and could talk about anything, but it just seemed that at that time I just couldn't talk to her about it much. I mean, I told her what happened, and you know, but yeah, um, there was always that you know she'd come to me and she'd say, "Look, you know, if you want to talk, we can talk," and I'm like, "Yeah, I know, but I I can't." And, and that was very, I mean, I, you know, I'll put my hand up to say that uh, she's borne the brunt of this more than anyone else. And I can't even begin to um, to imagine the strain and the stress that I've put her under through through dealing with, uh, with this. Um, she's been there more than anyone. And they always say that you you take it out on um, whoever's closest to you, don't you? The ones you love. Yeah. Um, so you know it's it has been been tough, but um, you know this was quite a few years ago, and it's still a an ongoing an ongoing thing for so sure. Have you opened up to her since or? Yeah, I have, and that was part of, I mean, I, you know, um, going to a, uh, going to a psychiatrist it definitely said, look, you, you can't, uh, you got to share because there's no way for them to know what you're going through. Right. So with the, um, with the, the PTSD stuff and, uh, you know, there was always anxiety. There was always, you know, um, short temper. There was always, you know, shutting off all these things. 
So all of that at home just, you know, doesn't mix well. So there was a time where I had to start talking. Otherwise, it was going to be um, the end of the marriage, you know. Yeah. Um, it was going to be, uh, you know, yeah. So um, there's still some things that I haven't told her, um, mainly because there's no, you know, there's yeah, no yeah, point. It, really. it doesn't yeah. help anyone, yeah. No, yep. I mean, it's... It's stuff that, uh, you know, and, and that's I haven't why, told a lot of people. That's so. why I say that um, I ask that if you're trying to protect her because mm. you, you you see these things and that no one should have to see. So why why should people have to picture it themselves when they don't yeah. have to sort of thing? So I know. I mean, there was a point where, um, when we were getting relieved by the crew from the train, um, we were hopping down from the train. It was just the worst possible timing. That it, it wasn't planned. It wasn't intended. It was just the, the most unfortunate series of events. That when we were hopping off the train, as I stepped my foot down on the ground and turned to start walking away, it was when the police were um, putting the remains into a into a oh. body bag. And as I turned around, it was like, you know, whoa, what? You know, there was no, <laughs> there was no sheet up. There was no, uh, yeah. So, because at that time, the all the passengers had been taken off the train. So there was no one around except emergency services and us. So I'm guessing that maybe they thought that, um, you know, the there was no one around so they didn't have to take as many precautions sort of thing. Yeah, there was no there was no six o'clock news there. There was no um, <laughs> there was nothing like that. So they just went about their business. But um, yeah, that's that's definitely a, <clears throat> an image that won't be leaving me anytime soon. And it's one of those things, like you say, there's no there's no use me really telling the the wife no. the the ins and outs of it. But um, no, definitely not. No. Yeah. Um, whew, um, so uh, after it all happens and everything sort of starts to settle down a bit, yeah. what what sort of um, what sort of assistance do you get from from work? Do they just, do they sort of give hand you over to a counsellor at some stage and to sort of talk about this stuff and yeah yeah there's there's all of that they've got their um... They call it an employee assistance program. So, um, you know, they, they, they tick all the boxes. Um, time off work, counsellor, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the thing was the counsellor that I went to initially, there wasn't really a, there wasn't really a connection there. So it was like, you know, I ended up having to, to leave and, and find my own through um, through the recommendation of my GP, um, which is something I'm very fortunate and very glad I did. Um, my GP saying that they know a psychiatrist who deals specifically with PTSD 
um, deals with a lot of the <clears throat> a lot of the emergency services, police, ambulance, and even some defence force personnel as well. Oh wow! Um, so you so know, the best possible care. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm really. I mean, that's the that's the step one. I think a lot of people that I that I talk to about say, you know, your GP if you if you got a good one, they are worth their weight in gold because they're the they're the uh, first responders in a way. When you start to look at, you know, starting the path to recovery, yeah. um, they can point you in the direction, and they can they can be the the ones to start listening. And I'd start to to you know, again, give you the um, suggestions of which direction to go. Um, very fortunate that my GP. I'd been seeing for quite a while. The relationship was was a good one, and they said, "Look, you know, I've got the name of someone. So if anyone out there, you know, has, uh, you know, isn't sure which way to go, I mean, the GP is a good first step, definitely." Yep. I think it, the one thing I want to sort of dive into is with the. Um, the counselling that gets offered to people uh, through the workplace. Do you, in, in your experience, do you think it was just sort of a generic sort of setup that, um, like like you said, you found a specialist? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm <clears throat> a bit wary about how much I can I can sort of go into it because being still employed with the railway. Oh, no, definitely. Go, I mean, I'm I not... can't go to town on them and say that, you know, no, I, I, as, I, as I said, the <laughs> read I, into this how you will, they ticked all the boxes. Yeah. What, the, what they have to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. The, and I, the, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I don't want to shit bag the, 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 the service that they give because yeah, it's, yeah, it's important, yeah. you know, but, yeah. um, there are just some people that are better at things than others. Like you wouldn't go to a dentist to get knee surgery sort of thing. Like Exactly. You and know, I mean, the, and one of the first sessions that I had with a counsellor, she was, um, you know, <laughs> she was quite open and honest. She goes, look, I've got no idea about life in the railways. She said, I barely even travel on a train as a passenger. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. So for her, a lot of it was mainly it felt like just asking questions, trying to get a head around how things work in the railway. Yeah. Um, so but the good thing was when I found my current one, the first thing he said was, look, I've dealt with people for the last 30 years in the railways. You don't need to tell me about the ins and outs, the workings, the jargon, this and that. He said, just talk. And that was and that was just such a relief to, to do because... Um, the railways is one of those things where it's it's an interest for a lot of people. I mean, as you say, there's the average person who said, oh, I've always wanted to be a train driver or I remember as a kid, you know. So a lot out there love asking questions about how it works because they love to, you know, to find out. Um, and I found that was the same <laughs> with this counsellor. It was like, oh... You know, so how does that work, or where does that go, and you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, was it a yeah. bit frustrating at times? Oh, very. Yeah. Um, because you know, I was sitting there, and I'm like, you know, this is, 
this ain't the shit I want to be talking about, you know? No, um, no, that's right. And that wasn't helping with anxiety too because I was like, man, I've got to, I've got to start getting this under control. And like, you're asking start... questions about my job. Yeah. It's like, for fuck's sake, this is only an hour appointment. We're spending half of it talking about why the trains don't stop at this station and why my friend um, has to wait 30 minutes for a connection. I'm like, come on. This is... Yeah. Uh, this is what you ring up the complaints line for, not me, love. But anyway, um, yeah. But I, I just want to reiterate to the to the, the listeners that it's not it's not shitbagging what they do. They no, ha- no, they do no. an important job. It's just that the some people are, are yeah better at it than others or have more insight into a certain mm. area. So. Um, if, if anybody out there in the workplace does get offered counselling through a workplace, please take it. Uh, it's a first step. Um, and and then after that, you can go and see your GP and, and find someone that's better equipped, hmm. uh, get a second opinion. Um, yeah. You know, two hands are better than one sort of thing. So Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, so... Obviously, you're you're officially diagnosed with PTSD. Yes, yes, it's all on the um, the work cover, yeah, and the GP. So at at present, um, initially there wasn't any talk about medication or anything like that. Um, it was offered again through the GP because it was probably the better part of twelve months of, um, you know, trying to get this in check. And when I say get it in check, I mean short term. I was back at work in about two, three weeks um, and then back driving trains again, straight into it. Wow. Um, They're... um, you know, their thing is, you know, get back on the horse, away you go. Um, How does so, that affect <laughs> you when, when you first go back? What sort of, how do you, yeah. how they do you get that first a, day? Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, they give you, they have like a buddy system. So you can travel around with someone for the first couple of shifts just to sort of, find your sea legs again as it were um but the the crazy thing is that that section of track um i drive over it every day still um it's not like i can avoid it it's it's part of the network where we where our run goes so the first day was like the the anxiety was building even before I got to work, because I knew getting on that first train heading to the city, within 20 minutes I'll be in the area where it happened again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a that was a pretty pretty crazy day. I had a good um, again the the buddy system. The guy that I was with, he was really good. Um, and uh, we just sort of tried to do a bit of shit talk and, and you know, the 
the uh, meal room banter before getting on the train and on the train as well. So, do you think it was a little um, the conversation, like you, you say, you're sitting in the lunchroom, sort of doing the banter, and mm. do you think it was a little? Did it come across as a bit choreographed or? People were just you know, making a concerted effort to take your mind off things. That, um, or did it sort of just flow flow evenly? And no, it sort of flowed because I mean the workplace um, deals with it so often. It's a very very unfortunate side of our job that you know there can be times where there's I don't know. God, it seems like there's one a day. Wow. Suicide or a fatality, yeah. The railways tries to probably keep the numbers on on um, out of the eyes of the public, and you don't really see it on, like I said, on the six o'clock news. No. Um, but there's times where it is so prevalent, and it is really, really, uh, you know. Wow, I, I really, didn't know it happened that yeah, often. Like it's it's um it sort of comes in in waves where you'll have you'll have a time where you don't really see or hear. But I mean, for it to happen, say I don't know, once a week, once a fortnight isn't uncommon. Um, wow, and that's you know, and then you've got some real times of the year where it just sort of seems to have a bit of a jump. Unfortunately, it's times like Father's Day. It's oh. times like it's times like Christmas. Um, and then you've just got the, you know, the weekends where people are out on the piss or something like that and you've got genuine accidents or something, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was, was going to say, it can't, it can't all be... No. Put down it's to probably, people having a rough time, you know, like No. It's probably eighty percent I would say would be um self harm and then the rest would be yeah um accident or something like that. Um so yeah, it's it's there's been a lot of incidents where fellow workmates have had to and, and this this is probably gonna shock people. There's been incidents where workmates have had to go through a hell of a lot worse than what I did, and that's the you know the brutal truth part of it. I mean, one particular incident, there was a train going out west of Sydney, and a young mother jumped in front of a train holding her. I think it was about two or three year old oh, child. My. Now, how do you possibly deal with that? How do you possibly train someone to to deal with that? And a lot of times, you're, when you're going for the job, I remember the the whole recruitment process. They said, "Yeah, look, this job has some downsides. You've got shift work. You're going to have to work weekends. Sometimes you might have to work. Blah blah blah." But nowhere in that do they say that you know, hey, by the way, there might be someone you know jumping in front of your train holding a child. That's like, so, wow. um, and I mean, I, you know, I don't want to keep going into some, some bad ones, but there was other incidents where a workmate was, um, 
driving a train in a section, high speed. I think it was going about 110, 115. Someone decided to jump off the bridge in front of the train. That was a there was a walking bridge above the train. They actually went through the front of the train, <sighs> came through the window, hit him, broke his collarbone and everything. So he's there, sort of back in the seat and in the on the floor and in, in the cab is the remains of the person. Oh, this... And he he was back at work within a week. I don't no. know how or why, no. mate. I'd be I'd be done. I mean, with my incident alone, I was contemplating throwing the keys on the desk because I just I said there's no way I want to be doing this shit still, you know. So, I mean, that's just a couple of I'm instances. speechless, mate. I'm absolutely speechless. And, I mean, that's, you know, the people that do this job a lot of times cop a lot of flack. The railways, because it is a public service, yeah, oh, yeah. A, lot, a lot of the times, you know, everyone knows that the New South Wales rail system isn't the greatest. I mean, there's always, um, I don't know what the Queensland one's like, mate, but there's always problems. There's always, you know, <laughs> there's always something going on. And then add to that when there's a bit of um, when there's a bit of stuff going on with say an EBA negotiation, or you know there's always media um, involved as well with trying to shitbag each other, whether it be the union, whether it be the workers, you know, yeah. you, don't, you don't deserve the, I, the I pay work, that you get or whatever. Yeah, and stuff like that. yeah. I work it with the buses and the drivers cop it all the time. Well, you're the you know, front line. You're the first one that people see. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the public don't realise that my job, I'm paid to drive the train from A to B. There is a hell of a, a higher ladder and someone in a, a much higher pay grade that makes the decisions that affect what happens to you on the train, where it goes, what happens. Like, I'm, I'm not the one, but you're the one at the front line. You're the one they see. So... You're, you're the, the middle, you're the middle man. <laughs> That's right. You shoot the messenger. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm on the passenger side of things. You've also got freight. I mean, freight drivers go through the same that what we do with, with incidents and, and stuff like that. They're even worse because the, the amount of tonnage that's pushing them. I mean, you can't, our trains, you can't stop on a dime as it is. I oh, think no. From from memory, they once told me that the average passenger train that runs around is, I think, about six hundred ton thereabouts. Yeah. And if it's going if it's going sixty kilometers an hour, it's going to take like a hundred meters to stop. Yeah. So you can imagine a freight train carrying, uh, I don't know, somewhere between forty and fifty wagons of coal, steel. Um, you know, the heavy tonnage that's pushing them to be asked or to, to have a thought in your head, oh, something's there, I've got to stop. You're talking like a kilometre to stop this train yeah. at, at any at any speed above about 40, 50 k's an hour. So, and so it's, yeah. it's worse than hitting a brick wall because the brick wall's moving. Yeah, that's right. You know? There's not many things that um, come out the other side of getting hit by a train that that win, as it were. Yeah. Um, throw into that a bit of anxiety. We've got level crossings. You've got um, you've got areas where there's always 
high amounts of foot traffic. Um, yeah, it's it's like I'm I'm probably painting a pretty grim picture here of the job, but I mean it's 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 part of it. It's part of every day, and there's a lot of guys and and ladies out there that um, that are uh, yeah every day lacing up the boots. Out they go. Um, um, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying that our jobs um, more difficult than anybody else's. There's no way I could be a copper. There's no way I could be an ambulance. There's no way I could be, you know, yeah. paramedic dealing with stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, like, I, and I've got the biggest respect for emergency services and the military. Oh, and absolutely, mate. And uh, they're just incredible people. Uh, yeah, anyone absolutely. that puts on any of those uniforms is just an inspiration and for sure. uh, highest regard in, in my books. Yep, for sure, mate. Uh, same goes with here. But, um, but yeah. How does it still affect you today? Uh, the main one is... Uh, there's still the odd nightmare. There's still the odd trouble sleeping. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm on medication. So I found that sort of helped. Um, um, getting through the other side, there was, there was terrible anxiety. That was, that was probably one of the worst bits. Um, how, did, how did that affect but, you? Uh, it was probably it, it pushed pushed me back into a shell. Really, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything. I, I couldn't even um, I couldn't even go down the street with the the wife and kids to do the groceries. I mean, it took a hell of a lot of effort for me to get out the door, um, and things would set me off that just you know just stupid stuff. Like we'd be down the local mall doing the groceries. And I've geared myself up to go and do these groceries and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, this would go, oh, hang on, I just want to go and check something in this shop. And I'd, I'd, I'd lose it. I'd be like, no, I've got to get home. We've got to go. I, I, we're done. We're done. I've got to go. You know, it Cause was... Because you, uh, you've only prepared yourself for the initial... That's it. That's it. And, you know, the... Um, yeah. So something simple like, oh, hang on, we need... I don't know. It could be something like, oh, shit, forgot bread. So I've got to turn around and go back. The welling up of, of anxiety and emotions was just something I couldn't, I couldn't understand. And I didn't, you know, to explain it to the wife why, she'd be like, what's wrong? You know, and, and uh, that was probably the main one. Um, you feel, trying, yeah. You sort of feel like a prisoner in your own body or... Yeah, yeah. Um, it really sapped the motivation to do anything, you know. Um, but on the up, it, it was strange because for a while, going back to work was like a was like a safe haven. As strange as that sounds, after having that happen at work, yeah, um, it was like. You would think it'd be the total opposite. All the anxiety, all the issues, all the all the shit would be like, "Oh man, I've got to go to work today. I, I can't do it." 
Whereas for me, I found it was very much the reverse. Work would be situation normal. Work would be the 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 datum line. You know that that was everything worked to a timetable. Everything was precise. Everything had its you know it was structured. I'd get home, or uh, even before, I'd get in the car to start coming home after the end of my shift. And I'd begin to feel tense, knowing that I'd be going home and that I'd have to, you know, all right, I've got to try and keep it together when I get home because the kids haven't seen me all day. They're going to be jumping all over me. They're going to want to do things. The yeah. wife's going to be, so how was your day? Wanting to do the small talk and, be, and all of this stuff, it would just keep building and building and building where by the time I got home, it would be just the thinnest grasp to keep it all under under control wow and um you know yeah it was it was horrible and well you see that a lot in the military personnel mm. where they go back they go back for another tour yeah because yeah. because it's regimented it's it, it's you don't have to deal with the day-to-day life. No. You don't they don't have to deal with the bills or mm, mm. appointments or anything like that. They they just they're there to do one thing. And it's That's that it. It's, it simplifies their life and they they just find it easier. Yeah, and I found that too. Um and That's, it was very really interesting. Hard, very hard to deal with. Um, because like you said, a lot of the times it would be at work, you know, in the middle room, you had the shit talk, you had the, you had people that, um, you know, I don't know. You're surrounded by people that you relate to you. Yeah. And I hated that in a way. I hated the fact that I was more comfortable at work than I was in my own home with my family. Yeah. Um, and that was, that still... There's always a tremendous amount of guilt that I feel to what the family has gone through because I know it's affected it's affected the, the marriage, my wife. I, I know it's affected my kids, even though they were only young, but, you know, kids can pick up on things. Oh, I mean, yeah, man, us sponges. It was, um, it was always, you know, that case of, you know, daddy's, I don't know, daddy's in the garage again. Where I'd, I'd be just in there sitting down. I'd, I'd be doing nothing. You mm. know, I wouldn't be. Um, there'd be no productivity. There'd be no quality time spent with 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 the kids. You know. Yeah. Um, and and to this day, and it probably will stay with me for a while. The guilt that I've put them through all this too. Um, but you know, things are things are getting better. That's for sure. Oh, that's um, good to hear. That's really good to hear. Like I said, a lot of that comes down to um, my wife and the, the strong person that she is to, to put up with. <clears throat> yeah. To um, <clears throat> sorry, mate. No, you're right, Ooh, man. That's all right. To put up to put up with with um, with with me, and you know, I mean, look, a, a lot of people joke that you know, oh yeah, wives got to put up with a lot of shit. Well, they do. 
and then yeah. something something like this. I mean, I can never begin to to repay her for 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 sticking by me and and um, yeah and yeah, just it's yeah. Good, it's good to have that incredible person in your life, isn't it? No, very fortunate. Um, I mean, this job takes a lot in terms of marriages as well. There's a lot of a lot of people separated, divorced because I mean, shift work alone is enough to, uh, to put strain. I cannot agree more. Um, you know, and you know, it's I see it a lot of in uh, in in our job. There's a lot of divorcees and stuff like that. Um, purely because it's yeah, it takes its toll. So yeah, very very fortunate. <clears throat> and and it's, it's it's important to bring up that. Uh, someone's PTSD or anxiety and depression doesn't just affect them; it affects everyone around them. Yep. You know. Yeah. Agree. It's not an isolated uh, problem. You know, it's mm. It, mm. it has a flow-on effect. Yeah. And um, and I mean, a lot of people don't know that w when it's happening, and yeah, you know, you sort of it's one of those blind things that. You don't realise you're doing it to other people as well, but no, no, for sure. And, and it's not. I don't. I don't see it as selfish. It's just the way that it is. You know, it, it's yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. That's it. That's exactly right. And um, you know, I I find now that um, there's a few things that I do um, that really sort of puts things in perspective. Um, you know, I get away for a bit of a, I don't know, the outdoors is a great, uh, spiritual clarifier really for me. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, it doesn't take long to leave something at home, which you think, oh, you know, the, the kids are driving me nuts and there's always something with the house and work and this and that. And you think, I can't wait to get away. Just, you know, like I usually go away with my old man sometimes. Just go out for a bit of a camp or a shoot, something like that. And yep. um, it doesn't take long to be out there and you think, oh, geez, I miss it. You know, geez, I miss them or I'm missing the kids. Or yeah. it doesn't take long to put a lot of things in perspective and, um, you know, to, to, to realize what you've got um, when you're away from it is something that I sort of um, I use it a lot and it sounds silly but when you're selfish sometimes and when I say selfish I mean like you know just doing something for yourself mm. um, you know just to get yourself recentered I find that um, you know last year I went away just for two days and I found that after that two days more than ready to come home and have kids jumping all over me again and you know yeah um just it's it's um it's a great thing to get away and unplug and and to uh yeah yeah definitely when, when i worked the commonwealth games i i was there for like four weeks mm. and i was just amongst it like thousands upon thousands of people yeah. when, and when i got back I just didn't want to deal with anything at home because it yeah. was just noise. And I oh, said to yeah. myself, I'm just, I'm just going to go away for a couple of days. 
and and regroup. Yeah. And and just process it all. <laughs> yeah. And and I was the same, dude. Like I I was looking forward to going home and seeing everyone again, you know? Like it was Yeah. It is really clarifying and I I really want partners of people going through stuff that sometimes being by yourself and mm. uh, having that time to process these things uh, and to realise what you've got at home yeah, and, and what, what you have to look forward to is yep. really, really healing, you know? Like it I've, does. I've yeah. been through some tough patches myself, dude, and um, mm. so I know firsthand that, yeah, me time is good time. Mate, not it's, it's, not just yeah. for me, but for my family. Yeah. Mate, even just the, you know, I I love me um, clay target shooting. So even just even just the a morning of that, you know, like it's not going away for days. It's not, um, you know, an overly expensive outing for me. But I mean, just to get away for a few hours, yeah, and just to to be, you know. Immersed in that, concentrate on that, and then on the way home, mate. There's a the biggest smile on your face that that you could you could want. Yeah. And um, mainly that's probably from blasting the shit out of some clothes, but that's always <laughs> that's a good that's a good byproduct. But you know, just just to do something. I mean, even if it's going fishing or if it's going, I don't know, going for a bit of a bushwalk and just sitting there in a bit of a peaceful spot. Actually, you know, um, you know what I feel therapeutic. I find therapeutic is sharpening knives. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> sharpening knives and camping. Yeah, mate. Yeah. It's there just the go. best. Get in the Absolutely. outdoors, ladies and gentlemen. Just do it. Get out there. Yeah. Get amongst it. And while you're there, if you need a knife, I happen to know a website. <laughs> <laughs> mate, well, yeah, you might as well give yourself a plug now. Yeah, well, I mean, as I said before, a bit of a labour of love. That that fell in me lap also, the, the business. Um, it was something that I thought, you know, I'd never had any experience with small business or never had any experience with doing website work, whatever. But a mate of mine, Steve, at Chassis Systems, there's another plug for him. If you're <laughs> after any muzzle brakes or tactical chassis, chassisystems.com. There you go. Um he was actually going to get into the knives himself, but he said, look, I'm, I'm a bit too busy. I'm thinking about letting it go. And I said, well, I'll have a run with it. You know? I'll have a um, go. Yeah, so he gave me the contact and um, Blood Vein Industries came to be. So, And it's good because it gives me something else now to focus on. Um, you know, I did an expo last year and that was awesome, like the – the SSAA Illawarra Outdoor and Adventure Expo that I did, um, talking to people, you know, yep. I don't mind a chat. That's and a when big it's step. Over, yeah, when, it, when it's over something as, um, you know, I'm passionate about the outdoors and the knives and everything too. So yeah. when you can, when you can um, talk to people about it, and half the time I wasn't even selling anything. I was just, I was just talking to people and, you know, yeah. they were having a bit of a play with the gear on the table and, you know, I'd be like, oh, thanks for the chat, mate. I'll see you later. And <laughs> as they're walking away, I'm like, oh, ah. maybe I should have tried to sell something, you know. 
<laughs> you just there for the social activity. Yeah, mate, I'm just there for the day outing. And just but, to show off some knives. <laughs> well, mate, it's a, it's a, I'm looking to do a few more of them, actually, because it's, a, um, it's an interesting thing. You can try and sell something online, and someone can look at a picture. Um, oh, yeah. You know, but, but to be able to have them feel it, yeah, and and to uh, to look at it, you know how it feels in the hand. Yeah, um, how it, you know, it's it just seems to be a heck of a lot better experience. But um, so I'm hoping to do a few more this year. I don't know how that's going to go with time or cost, but um, hopefully I'll be able to get a show or two and um, yeah, let people have a bit more of a play with things and. And uh, firsthand, try try them out, try the gear out. Yeah, for sure. And if anybody wants to actually have a look at what he's got, uh, a little taste of what he's got anyway, I've got some YouTube videos up on the channel there. and That's right. Uh, with a couple of uh, reviews. And um, you can see the kind of quality of knife that you're getting. And they're not, yeah. the, most, they're not the most expensive knives, but they are no. really good uh, good quality for the price. The well, mate, I wish uh, I wish I was in a position where I could drop say four five hundred bucks on a knife each time, but uh, not to be. No, so, I know that's a lot of people, man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, the whole the whole mantra of what I was trying to do was to get decent quality gear into people's hands without forking out, you know, the uh, the high prices. Um, so the the two. The two brands that I'm stocking at the moment, the Alvinox with the K25, and now, as of January this year, I've started stocking the uh, Bestech knives. Um, I'll tell you what, they are some sexy knives, dude. Mate, it's unbelievable, and for the price, the uh, the quality that you're getting is so good. I mean, China's really, <laughs> really stepped up their game with what they're building, um, you know. I remember it used to be, oh, God, made in China. But now, yeah. it's, uh, you know, the steel that the best tech knives are using. I mean, you're getting D2 steel for your for your baseline models. Yep. Um, with G10 handles. And then they've got S35 VN as their steel for the um, titanium-handled models. So the quality is so good. And the prices are competitive. So, and we try and keep them competitive because we're just a, sort of the little guy, yep. little guy operator. Yeah. And um, but yeah, really excited to be um, to be uh, bringing people some joy with the blade. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, like you said, knives are considered to be this evil demon, but um, they are really they really are a useful tool. Definitely, and they're a great. Um, like you said, they can be therapeutic. Yeah. Jeez, you get into sharpening, you get into a bit of whittling. Yeah. Um, man, you know, it, and to have them when you're going into the outdoors, I think is just a given. I mean, to, to go walking around in the bush um, or if you're into the hunting side of things, they're a tool and a valuable tool at that. With everything that's happened and that, it's still sort of, it's still with you. What are some of the coping mechanisms that you use? How do you deal with these things personally when they, when something pops up? I think it's important for the listeners, for anyone that's mm. going through this, to 
get a little bit of uh, insight on how someone starts to deal with this sort of stuff and um, and sort of get themselves back on track. Mate, it's um, as shit as it sounds. The, the thing with me has just been time, as well. Like it's not a it's not a overnight fix. Um, there's been a lot of hours um, put in with yeah with psychiatrists counselors um but like i said mainly it's realizing that you know moving forward having and and treating each day as it comes not not trying to get too far ahead of yourself um there was always that thing of you know life is busy i mean for everyone I mean, we're the same, you know, family, kids. There's always something on the horizon. You know, you're looking at the calendar and you're like, oh, shit, got this coming up, got that coming up, got, you know. Yeah. But I think trying to um, trying to structure out the day, I've found has been a real sort of uh, bit of a small win for me. I never really used to be that organised. And it's probably my my weakness that the wife would attest to um <laughs> you know uh, very flighty like if i want to do something for on the day i'd do it there, there was never any organization it's like you know wake up and it's like nice day i'll go do this or yeah. you know kids how about we go do this and the wife's like are you kidding we've got this appointment today that and i'm like oh shit yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right but i mean to have a sort of structure for the day now is really something that I, um, yeah, I, I have to do. So, so you sit, do you set yourself goals and and sort uh, of just focus on little things and? Yeah, I, I don't know about goals, but I mean, one thing I try to do in the morning when I wake up, um, I try not to reach for the phone as the first thing that I do. And it was something I saw, a, I don't know what it was. It might've been on Facebook. It might've been on YouTube. I don't know. Um, it was this thing where set yourself a little, um, a little goal, like you said, when you wake up in the morning for the first half an hour, don't touch your phone. Don't, cause I mean, I don't know about yourself, but it used to be, it was like automatic. Oh, wake up, stretch, scratch the balls, reach over and grab my phone, see what's going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I've found that something as simple as that, it's like uh, now it's wake up, the kids will run in, you know, we'll all have breakfast together and we'll talk and, you know, no no devices, no TV. It's great, mate. It's a really good start to the, to the day for me. And... Um, the trouble is now dealing with a small business. Yeah, <laughs> your phone and your computer and everything—that's yeah. that's part of the day. It's just a—it just has to be. But like you um, said, like half an hour. Yeah, it's y- just you half know. An hour. Yeah, mate, and I, I encourage anyone to give it a try. Um, because, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to do it myself mate, because that's exactly what I do, man. I just reach for that phone and see what's going on. Well, you know what it is. It's it's an. <laughs> It's an addiction too. Yeah. Because I found that waking up, I'd roll over and look at the phone and I'd see like notifications. Like, oh shit, who's who's messaged me or who's emailed me or what's what's you know what's going on in Facebook land or Instagram? And it's like, 
Yep. All of a sudden, you'd wake up and you'd lie there in the bed for maybe half an hour, just staring at your screen. Yeah. Yep. And the days kicked off. The days started. So I. And you know why? It's because when you see people replying to a post or sending you a message, that's a thrill. It's it's exactly the same thing as gaming addiction. Mate, it, it's it's an addiction. <laughs> it is. It, it releases endorphins. It. Of yeah. it's a happy feeling. Mate, like someone likes me. Someone wants to. You know. Exactly. Someone's giving me attention. I made hundred percent. Yeah. And I've I've found it really hard to to stay. Uh, you know, to to detach from that a little bit. And I found the good start is to do that half hour in the morning. Um, whether it be, I don't know. You don't have the phone at all by your bedside. Leave it out in the kitchen or something. I don't know, man. I, it's whatever works for you. But um, I could have swore it was something maybe on Facebook. Someone said, give it a try. And I've been doing that now for about, I don't know, probably three months now. And it's just become part of routine. Wow. Um, you know, it's like I, I always have people say, oh, but what if there's an emergency and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, okay. but Well, if it's an emergency, the phone will ring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean... that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I encourage anyone to give that a crack. And... Well, I, I reckon we should put out a challenge for anyone that's listening to give it a go for a week. Yeah. And then send me a, a message on Facebook and tell me how it's if it's changed you or yeah. i reckon that's yeah. a really good social experiment mate uh, and you know what it does too it's like <laughs> and this is hilarious uh talking to the wife in the morning waking up hey how'd you sleep how do you you know what's going on let's have it you know you're just talking never used to wake up look at each other's phones and we'd sit there in silence and then you go and have a coffee and breakfast and you'd sit in silence because you'd still be sipping your coffee, looking at your phone, scrolling through with your other hand. So I think it, it, it makes you realise what's actually important in life, man. Yeah, yeah. Man, I wish I, around I, you? I wish I had have met you five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had uh, learned about mate. this five years ago. Uh, well, mate, I, I can, and I'm happy to admit there's still times where I go to bed with me phone, though. Like, I'm not perfect. That's, that's yeah. still something I've got to try and work on, and there's a lot of times where... You're doing something and it's, you're talking to someone or yeah. you're doing a bit of back and forth about... And it is. It's mainly about a little business now. Like, I'll, I'll find that um, if someone asks me a question about a knife that I'm stocking, it's not just a case of, yeah, mate, got it in stock and, and that's it. I'll converse with them for like half an hour yeah. about, <laughs> about knives, about this, about that, and, and, and it'll find like, oh, oh shit, hang on, I've got to go to bed. Yeah. Oh, champ, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know? like, <laughs> but that's that's just that's just uh, something else to work on. But anyway, yeah, mate, I I think we'll wrap it up here, and uh, I, I just want to end up by saying thank you so much for putting yourself out there and yeah. talking about your experience. Um, I know the last episode that I did with Madman Brad had a profound effect on his listeners and viewers. Mate, um, I had a good listen to that too, and that was a that was a pretty uh, pretty moving interview as well. Uh, absolutely, man, and uh, the comments that came out of that mm. were 
was shocking. Uh, so yeah. one, one girl said that she didn't know PTSD existed other than vet, in veterans. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. if if we're learning from these uh, the podcasts, then um, mate, I, I want to continue this. So mate, yeah. that's a win in itself, and I got to thank you as well. Um, this is probably the first time that I've really spoken about the event, the the incident. I mean, yep. apart from a few people at work, but they all knew it. But, I mean, I've got yep. some people that I call close mates that really don't know as much as what I've just spoken about with you. So, uh, you know, wow. part of the healing I've, process I've, as well, mate. I, I thank you as well. I feel humbled that you're able to open up to me um, to benefit others, man. That, that, that's uh, extraordinary. Yeah. And I mate, think and I'm totally grateful. Yeah, yeah, starting a conversation, mate. Us yeah. talking can start a conversation, and um, you know, if I can can offer anyone any any what do they say, two bobs worth of free advice or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Just um, take take one step, whether that be talking to your partner, a mate, your GP. Um, Geez, talking to yourself. I mean, as silly as that sounds, I've had a couple of, you know, <laughs> what do they say? Have a good, hard look at yourself and talk. Look at yourself in the mirror. You know, say what the fuck is going on with you? Let's let's start working this shit out. Yeah. So, um, if you know there's a problem there, address it. Yeah, time is a good healer, but uh, most of it, you need something a little bit more than time because it'll. Um, it'll take from you just that. It'll take that time. You can't get it back. No, exactly and, right. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully people out there can can uh, get something. I don't know what they'll get out of this. Maybe a laugh, maybe a <laughs> maybe a, uh, a look inside to the life of the train driver a bit more. I don't know, but, um, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I definitely think it's going to help people, mate, and... Um... Les, I thank you for, for being on the podcast and I look forward to what your future brings for you. And Thanks, thank, mate. I thank you so much. No worries. And I will say, what, just as I go, bloodveinindustries.com.au. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank you and so much. And check us out Facebook and Instagram too, man. Yep, absolutely. Check them out. All right. And uh, keep in touch. Thanks, mate. Will do. Okay, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in on this episode. Just wanted to thank Les once again for opening up on this podcast and uh, wanting to help others with his experience. You can also find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Patreon. My Patreon will help grow the Man Cave 4301 brand and ensure that you guys are getting better content, better quality um, so we can make this podcast flourish and indeed the rest of the Man Cave 4301 brand. Thank you again for tuning in.